and welcome to the Back in Style podcast, the Twisted Mug Media Network's Twin Peaks podcast. I'm Logan. And I'm Matthew. And this week we are going to be talking about the second episode of the second season of Twin Peaks. Uh, the title is Coma. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting title. Could refer, refer to a few things. Um, yeah, you got Rhonda Pulaski coming out of her coma. Um, what other one were you thinking Leo, of? Leo's Leo coma. being in the coma. Yeah. But and they might be trying to take care of him. Yes, and he's aware of what's going mm-hmm. on, maybe. Yeah, but very interesting developments that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we just got off the uh, premiere of season two, the very long episode yes. with a lot of new things going on. Yeah. Um, and we kind of continue that in this episode. Oh, man. Yeah. Very eerie. And with some of the same very creepy elements as the last episode, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, should be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, if you haven't listened to the show before, definitely go back and check out some of our previous stuff. Uh, our basic setup, I've seen the show before, Matt is not. <laughs> uh, so we're spoiler-free in terms of future episodes. We talk only about the episode we're on. So if you're a first-time viewer as well, then this is perfect for you to jump right in here. Um, I think that's yeah. it. I think, let's get into it. Let's get started. So, the plot summary. Uh, yeah, so we always read the pr- plot summary from The Essential Wrapped in Plastic by John Thorne, our Twin Peaks Bible, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, here we go. Albert and informs if you'd like to Cooper skip the plot summary, Earl just head escaped. to about two minutes and Donna delivers seconds. a meal to Mrs. Tremond and her grandson. Donna is unnerved by their behavior. Donna slips a note under Harold Smith's door. Cooper and Truman show Ronette the sketch of Bob. She reacts violently and tries to say train. Ben and Jerry can't decide which of the two mill ledgers to burn. The log lady informs Major Briggs to deliver the message. Uh, Andy tells Lucy that he is sterile. Hank makes a parole visit to Truman. Truman tells Cooper that Hank used to be a bookhouse boy. Ben Horn calls to say that Audrey is missing. Jerry delivers Catherine's unsigned insurance policy to Ben. Leland Leland recognizes the sketch of Bob. Jerry wonders, is this real, Ben, or some strange and, and twisted dream? Doc Hayward tells Shelley that Leo may never recover. Emery Battis tells Audrey that Laura knew Ben owned One-Eyed Jacks. Bobby hatches a plan to get Leo's insurance money. Major Briggs delivers the message to Cooper. The owls are not what they seem. Donna plans to meet with Harold Smith. Maddie has a horrifying vision of Bob. Cooper dreams. He sees Ronette thrash. He hears the giant and Major Briggs say... The owls are not what they seem. He sees an image of Bob that turns into an owl. Audrey calls and says she is in trouble. Blackie hangs up the phone before Audrey can say more. And that's the end of our plot summary. Yep, so once again, another very layered and um, eerie episode of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And this one begins uh, at the at the Great Northern with some lovely backing music. Uh, via the the quartet going on in the background, yeah, <laughs> little barbershop quartet and the clad in their like red striped uniforms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we've talked about like, you know, sometimes there's just like, a, you know, a, an alpaca on the set near the set. And, That's right. You know, they decide to incorporate it in the scene, something like that. Uh, and this was the same kind of deal. There's just a barbershop quartet, and they were like, "Hey, you guys, want to maybe be featured in an episode of uh, Twin Peaks?" So. <laughs> It's kind of funny, they're in the background, and um, Cooper is talking about the history of Tibet, and as Albert says so affectionately, uh, King Ho-Ho-Ho. King Ho-Ho-Ho, yes. And, uh, but Albert also shows a little bit of compassion in this scene. Like he, you know, he asks him how he is doing, but then 
when Cooper asks him, like, oh, you know, what's this? He snarkily replies back, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be nice or something. Um, but we get a look into a new person we never heard about yes. before, Wyndham Earl. Wyndham Earl. And Cooper says, uh, you know, Agent Earl, he was, they, we learned that he was locked up. Uh, he, he, like, went insane, and um, he's apparently now escaped. Uh, it seems like. Oh, is that what they said? Okay. Yeah. So it sounded like he retired when he knew Cooper. And then something happened. He was put in a mental up, hospital, right. and now he's gone. Right. That's right. Yeah, he escaped. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, right. they, they, they did say yeah. that he was Cooper's partner. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very, like, um, very, like, uh, stereotypical, like, detective story plot. Mm-hmm. You know, the former partner, you know, like, the, the troubled past and the detectives, you know, former crime solving. Um, interesting to see where that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just another uh, seed to plant for the, absolutely. For the rest of the season. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. And we'll we also it. get, um, at the end of the scene, the camera kind of pans over and the eerie music starts to build and we see uh, the Asian man. Mm-hmm. We don't know his name, um, but it's the one that Audrey saw checking in and the one who was calling the, the long-distance call to Hong Kong. Right. Which leads me to another um, idea. Maybe he was the one who shot Agent Cooper. Ah. Because um, he checked... Uh, when Audrey saw him checking in, that was before Cooper got shot, so it would make sense if you know he got there and then uh, his assignment was to shoot Cooper and to do something else. So I don't know, just well, a guess. Because you know, before this, like before that that moment, it sort of seemed like he just cared about Josie, and because he, you know, he called Pete's house asking for Josie, mm-hmm. then he placed a call to Hong Kong and everything, and so. But now he seems to be like looking over at Cooper, so maybe he has something to do with Cooper too. For sure, um, part of the part of some kind of assignment. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting, but um, you know, Donna goes out to do uh, a little bit of sleuthing now. Uh, yeah, so she's taking over Laura's route. Very, mm. very weird. scene. Oh, this scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. So she uh, she arrives at the first house uh, and then she knocks on the door. She's let in, uh-huh. and inside there's an old elderly label- lady on a bed, you know, covered in blankets, and across from her is a young boy. Clad in his tuxedo, right. um, just kind of sitting there with his arms, his hands in, in his lap, and she walks in. And it's super eerie, and we get this very interesting scene with this creamed corn. Yeah, <laughs> really eerie. The the lady's mad that Laura, uh, that Donna brought creamed corn. She says, "Do you see the creamed corn there?" She's like, "Yeah," and then she's like, "No, I don't want creamed corn. Do you see it?" Camera goes back to the plate, and there's no creamed corn. Yeah, exactly. And where is the creamed corn? In this very unsettling image, in the young boy's hands. In the young boy's hands. The juxtaposition of the very clean tuxedo with that creamed corn. Ugh! Goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That that little boy is, I believe, David Lynch's uh, either son or grandson. I want to say son, based on... I was going to say, was he kind of looked like he him. He looks very yeah, much like him. That's funny. He's like a young David Lynch, but... Um, He's practicing magic, so he decided to practice it on the creamed corn, apparently. Um, it's just another one of these... I don't know, because in this episode, we get even more of a hint at this kind of supernatural aspect yeah. of the town, with the messages from Mr. Briggs. And remember, previously, Truman had said, when he's talking about the Bookhouse Boys, you know, the, the, the things in the woods, there's mm-hmm. these, you know, these things that we keep in check for years. You know, what is this? I'm interested. Is this show going to take on this very, like wacky supernatural sci-fi aspect like i don't i don't know where this is going like are we are we introducing aliens now (laughs) this could go anywhere well yeah we've been (laughs) we've been sort of introduced to you know there's a darkness in the woods there's evil in the woods whatever um 
but yeah, it it does seem to be building on that very much. Yeah, but um, I have not seen uh, Lynch's first film, Eraserhead, but the the I I'm familiar with a lot of scenes from it and some of the images and just the the image of the boy with the cream corn in his hand, just that very unsettling yeah. aspect just reminded me of shots from that film where it's just like nothing like horrifying is going mm-hmm. on. It's just something is eerie and off. Right. You know it, I mean? It's not scary. Uh huh. Like. A boy holding corn is not scary, <laughs> but like there, and there are things in this episode and in this series that are really scary, but that's not one of them. That's just sort of weird. Yeah. You it, know, why are you holding corn? And that's, <laughs> and that's true with a lot of Lynch's work. Cause I don't know if like you've seen some of his artwork mm-hmm. cause he does a lot of like yeah, yeah. stuff with like charcoal and just like paintings. And he does like, I've watched some of his music videos that he does for uh, like other, mm. uh, directs for other, uh, musicians and they're just, you know, they're just like weird and just yeah. like, ugh. And, like, his very first, um, his very first, like, it was, like, an art installation. I don't know if you've seen it. It's just four, like, heads, like, sticking out. These, like, you know, like, clay heads or whatever, like, sticking out of a hall, uh, wall. And they're all just, like, throwing up into, like, these buckets while these clocks yeah. or something are, like, chiming everywhere. It's just insane, <laughs> the stuff yeah. he makes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, his, his art is a really interesting thing that I'd kind of like to look into more, which is, well, I'm hoping that for the future of this podcast... Maybe after we finish the series, um, or, you know, maybe a little bit, even, like, in between the fire walk with me and when we do uh, the, return. the Return, maybe we can watch, um, you know, some of Lynch's other films to get some insights. Yes, I would talk love about to. some of his art, his short films. Because I haven't, I haven't seen any of his movies mm-hmm. intentionally, because I've, I've if we could do these on this podcast, that'd be, that would be so cool. Yeah, that'd um, be great. I also have not seen many. The only one I've seen is Malone Drive, which we... Yeah. Reviewed for the Cinema Talk podcast. Go back and listen to that. Yeah, but movies like Blue Velvet, which have Kyle mm-hmm. MacLachlan yeah. in it, like, and you know, could feature some of these uh, same themes I've heard. Um, that'd be interesting to dig into. Yeah, but for yeah, sure. we digress. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, Donna gets this tip from Mrs. Tremont to go over and uh, look at Harold Smith, mm-hmm. um, and so she goes over to the house and she leaves a note and. There's, this, there's someone creeping on her from the from the window, and uh, so I guess we'll see where that goes. Yeah, that could be an interesting aspect. You know, these, these older people who probably saw lower often could right. provide some insight. Yeah, and apparently Mr. Smith was her friend, so, mm-hmm. you know, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see about that. Um, so, um, Ronette is awake now, and there's about... I want to say, like, uh, 45 seconds to a minute. Oh, it's long. It's long. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Um, and if you've seen the episode, you know, uh, Harry Truman and Dale Cooper just try to figure out how to work their stools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he reads the instructions underneath uh, the seat. It tells them to tr- to Truman, who, uh-huh. or to, to Cooper, who is then trying to fix it, and they finally get settled. And they're all, all the while just apologizing to Ron, and he's just sitting there. And the best the best part is, that is really Kyle MacLachlan and Michael Ankeen trying to figure out those stools in character. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's totally... And this episode is also directed by David Lynch. It's wow. Worth so they couldn't figure out how to do the stools, and, he was, and they were rolling, and... So they just decided to do it, oh, and they fan- left it in. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a, that's a very David Lynch thing to do. It's like the, you know, uh, mishearing Agent Cooper in the, in the morgue in the first yeah. episode. And, 
There's there's so many things like that. Whenever Lynch directs, it's always a good one. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really great stuff. Um, and so Ben and Jerry now they've got to try to figure out. Um, hold on, in that scene is that? Yeah, yeah. So that's that, that's the one where she flips out. That's the one where she flips out. Okay, yeah. yeah so let's so, get into this. So, so let's not go to Ben and Jerry yet. Yeah. But yeah, so she shows. She she has shown Leo's face. Yeah, okay, which is interesting, because why don't they just show her an actual photograph of Leo? Yeah, I guess right, they I have pictures of him. Yeah, it, it's weird. But, I mean, I don't know. It's It looks cooler. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, these, this really eerie charcoal drawing. Not which really much of re- a reaction. Yeah, it doesn't really look like Leo either. Yeah, I don't know no. who's drawing this thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no reaction. Come on, Andy. Do better. And it was a really cool effect to do with the camera, where, like, yeah, they have, um, kind of like from Ronette's perspective... They have uh, the, the the painting kind of far away, then it moves in closer, and slowly it comes into focus, um, which, which they do with Bob later on yes. at the end of the episode. So they do this with Bob, and the second time they show it to Ronette, and she starts to freak out, shaking mm-hmm. uncontrollably, and you hear her speak the words, tra, you know, like, train, train, and... And that's that's what Cooper surmises, and, he's, and he says, "Train, you're saying train," and the, and like a black glass breaks at some point, lights are flickering. Oh, it's just a mayhem. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a very very well done scene. Uh, you know, they have to they get the nurse in right away, and um, yeah, yeah. That's and so, so she she, is, she saw Bob. Right. She knows she knows him. Yeah. So she is the third one to have seen him. Yeah. Other than Cooper and uh, uh, Mrs. Palmer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so yeah. now for now for Ben and Jerry. Yes, uh, Ben and Jerry talking about the ledgers and the cheese pig. Yeah. So so the predicament they're in. Um, it, it so they have two ledgers. They have the fake one and the real one, and they're trying to see which one they should destroy so that they can get the most profit out of the mill and building stuff on the mill. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of confusing, mm-hmm. but they don't really reach a conclusion. No, they're kind of confused. They're like, all right, well, we don't really know because. I think with one, one would like get them more money immediately, but the other one would like hold up long term, right? Long term, yeah, um, yeah. The only conclusion they reach is that they're going to roast marshmallows. Exactly. Um, Where are those hickory sticks? And then it fades away. It's just face in the next scene. It's right. funny. Um, but you know, at the double R, some more good scenes at the double R. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy can't quite figure out tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's put up the uh, put up the poster of the picture of Bob because they now know that um, you know Bob had Bob had something to do with it. Um, was probably in the train car. Uh, Ronette seemed very like triggered by that um, that image. So they've put Bob's face up uh, all around town, and Andy's trying to figure out how to use tape. He's got a huge ball on his hand and in his hair. <laughs> yep, and we see Major Briggs is at mm-hmm. the bar watching him. Um, and then, is this the scene with the log lady, yes. right? Yeah. And the log lady comes in. And apparently we weren't the only one to notice her sticking the gum on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Norma noticed as well and yells at her for it. Mm-hmm. Um, she promptly swallows her gum. Is that what she does? I, I couldn't so. tell. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. Probably swallows her gum and asks for a bear claw. Yes. Um, and then she starts to talk to Major Briggs, saying... These are two characters that I think are cool. I think they're a cool dynamic together. Yeah, I would... They have obviously never interacted before, and I didn't think they would. But yeah, they're kind of two characters who exist on kind of the fringe of the show. You know, they yeah. appear every now and then, but don't seem to have a major influence on the plot's events. But mm-hmm. at this point, they're talking to each other, and she relays a message from the log. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm blanking. What does the log say? The log says, deliver the message. Deliver the Yep, that's right. Yeah. And we find out later on what that means. But Major Briggs immediately seems to understand mm-hmm. what he she's talking about. Yeah. And we don't find out until later, but he, but he knows. He knows, yeah. Um, so talking about the, the dynamic with, uh, you know, the log lady and Major Briggs, um, I feel like it's kind of the same sort of thing. Like, I, I don't know if you've watched Stranger Things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I haven't watched the third season, but in season two, um, uh, the character Steve and Dustin Dustin. have, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) kind of grow into a little bit of a friendship. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of similar to this, uh, that, you know, they're, they're not really, they haven't really interacted with each other much, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, they're, they're really great together, um. You know they have a lot of good scenes, and this is a this is a fun scene between the between the two of them in Twin Peaks. So yeah, uh, you know sometime I'd like to I'd like to take a little while to talk about the similarities between Twin Peaks and Stranger Things because there really there I, are a few things I that never are, thought of that. Yeah, well I can tell you season three has many more great interactions between okay. Steve and Dustin. Okay, great. the best yet. It's so good. I can't wait. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Um, so, oh my. I just exited out of my notes. Um, yeah, so uh, Major Briggs says this line, Achievement is its own reward. Pride only obscures it. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, as profound as ever in this in this scene. But, yeah, so he gets, he gets the message. He has to deliver the message. Uh, and he knows what that means. We won't see what that is until quite a little bit later. But, um, yeah, that must be really fun for the writers writing yeah. for Major Briggs, just yeah. being able to just be so just like just lavish and just like all these huge words everywhere. Mm. Just funny. Um, but yeah, as Logan takes a nice swig from his water. Yes, I am. I'm trying to make not. I'm trying not to make too much noise because there's ice in there. Yes. Um, but yes. Uh, so frosty. <laughs> frosty. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Lucy is trying to kill a fly. She doesn't seem to be having that much. Yeah, and I like what they do here, like, with the sound of the fly, like, lining up with Andy walking outside. Mm -hmm. Because then the fly stops, and we don't see Andy. And the fly starts up, and we see Andy, Mm -hmm. which is also really unnerving, because that's when I just hate that sound so much of a fly buzz. (laughs) I know. I I can't stand it. Yeah, and, and it's almost like Andy is, like... Andy is the fly to Lucy. Like she's, he's it's just nagging her. He's annoying. Yeah, but, but I, I'm confused by this. Right. Scene. Yeah. I, I'm lost. So he he did donate to a sperm bank. No, because so he's he was sterile. going to. He was going to, and he's sterile. So he's saying, "It's not mine." Right. So that's okay. So yeah. So okay. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. I don't so know. she got pregnant from a sperm bank. Or no? Oh no no no! no, no. Oh think... no, no! Okay! Oh no! So she okay? So he's saying no. We had sex, but we didn't. I didn't get you pregnant because I'm right, sterile. Because I tried sterile. to donate to a sperm bank before. Yes, right. Okay. So he's yeah. saying, who is it? Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um... Truman. <laughs> be interesting plot development. <laughs> yes, that would be interesting. There's the fly. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yes. Um, could have been the man. It could have been the mayonnaise. That's true. That's true. Man, that mayonnaise is suspicious. Ooh. Um, so, you know, Hank signs in for parole and 
we find out he used to be a bookhouse boy. That's an interesting development, because now the interactions between Truman... Because Truman has always been just especially bitter around Hank, mm-hmm. and I just figured it's because he was, you know, he's a criminal or whatever. Yeah. But now that's another layer that, you know, there's kind of a, there's a level of sadness there. Yeah. You know, like, you were my friend, and now right. you're doing this. Hank is such an interesting character, because he's he's so, like multifaceted because in some scenes when he's with Leo he's just tough guy he's beating it up you know what I mean like in the previous scenes mm-hmm. but like here he's like constantly shifting between like aha smiling joking and then like his, his face turns serious and he's like trying to like contain this laughter like everything's just funny to him right oh it's so weird yeah right I mean because you know that he's not all you know smiles and jokes all the time because he's you know he's on parole he was in prison and you know that that's why he's there and that's why he's talking to him but um but you know, like, he's, at the same time, he's trying to be, you know, trying to keep that facade on the outside of being, you know, super jovial and stuff like that, so. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is a very interesting character, and it, it it's kind of hard to tell sometimes when he's lying and when he's not. Mm-hmm. He seems really genuine, like, sometimes when he's around Norma, but, you know, he's still, like, wrapped up in all this crime and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get introduced, uh, or we get the phone call um, from Ben Horn mm-hmm. saying that Audrey is missing. She's missing, right. And There's... I guess the logical assumption, like the, the assumption that you make if you're the, the cops, you're like, oh boy, another girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're gonna, is this going to be another Laura incident? Right, yeah. Well, they're still on the loose. Uh, but we know that she is she is a prostitute over she's, at One Eye Jacks. Right, she's, she's safe in that she hasn't been killed by Bob yet, mm-hmm. but uh, she's unsafe because she's, you know, a prostitute. And, yeah, and facing some, right. some threats from Blackie and... Yeah, but, you know... Slithery Emery Battis. <laughs> right, that's because, yeah, so she she's trying to, uh, you know, interrogate Emery Battis, and he says he works for the owner of One-Eyed Jacks, and... Um, Is that right after this? Uh, Wait, what's... Oh, no, 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 that's that's in a little bit. Okay, okay, yeah. I, we can talk yeah, about yeah. this now. Um, we... So she, uh, Emery Battis just confirms that Ben owns One-Eyed Jacks. Yes. She sort of already knew that, but uh, she wanted to know. And it turns out that uh, Ronette worked there, and also Laura worked there. For a bit. But only for a weekend. She was doing some drugs. Mm-hmm. But we still think that maybe Ben um, Ben ha- might have had an encounter with her. Mm-hmm. Because we, because Battis says that, like, you know, Ben, uh, the owner makes an effort to, like, entertain all the girls. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, so that's a little bit of a, an interesting twist mm-hmm. uh, to that. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, Ben and Jerry are, uh, you know, about to call uh, the Icelanders and, you know, talk about the fire and tell them that it's nothing to worry about, but... They already know because Leland called them. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Leland is enthusiastic and ready to go back to work, but mm-hmm. they're like, okay, like, like slow down, bud. Like, yeah. you're just going to screw this up. And so, yeah, they're trying to reassure the Icelanders, and right. uh, and they, it sounds like they do, but then Leland is distracted. Right. By the 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 uh, the drawing of Bob mm-hmm. says he's seen him before, and so we I get introduced to this whole other thing. Yeah, his grandfather's summer house. Right, his grandfather's summer house at Pearl Lakes, and he used to see. So he recognizes Bob from there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so I guess Andy uh, Andy's drawing was good enough for. Apparently, so I mean, so Bob is older than Leland um, by a lot then, and. Yes, yeah. um, if he he knew him back then, and he must have had long hair for his entire life, if he still recognized him, I guess so. Um, yeah. 
So Bob's been around for a while. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, Bob's known the Palmers for a while. You know, maybe he, uh, they they might have known, him, may not have known him, but you know, Bob was stalking them or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have had a lot of stalkers in in the woods and everything, and watching watching Jacoby for sure. For there, sure, there are a lot of. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that last episode, but you know, Jacoby, uh, we find out that he was the one who was stalking James and Donna in the woods. And I feel like he's, I feel like he may have also been the one stalking, uh, you know, Leo and, and Snake and Bobby when they were doing the drug deal. Because there was someone in the woods then. That's right. So they I guess saw someone. Yeah. that may have been him. But, um, you know, it was interesting because last time we saw him, he was getting beat up by someone who stalked him. So. Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, he, so you never know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was kind of stalking the Palmers like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. So Leland has to go to the police station, and he's got to tell him about it. So I, I Which guess we don't see. We we don't see that. I next guess we're episode. seeing that next episode. Or yeah, something. yeah. Um, so uh, you know, Lucy gets a call. I don't really know what this is about. Yeah, we don't. We don't know who it is. We don't hear the voice. She just repeatedly says, "You know, the person is not telling her mm-hmm. uh, their name." Um, and she says, All right, "I got to hang up now. I, I can't, you know, connect you to him if I don't know your name." Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird... That's all it is. I mean... It's a weird scene. I mean, I, I I don't specifically remember. I assume that that goes somewhere. Probably. But, um, yeah, not not in this episode. And so, we don't know who was calling, but uh, whoever it is, they, they wanted to remain anonymous. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, that happened. Uh, you know, Leo's in a coma still. Um, and, uh, you know, Doc Hayward is saying he, he might come out, he might not. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you know, he. Um, I like the setup of the scene with the, the mirror facing mm-hmm. uh, the audience, so we can see Leo's face at all times, which uh, plays well at the end when the camera yes. zooms in and we see Leo's eyes open a bit. Yeah. So, so Leo, Leo is aware. He knows what's going still on. Still slightly conscious, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's no, he's in no position to do anything, right. though. Yeah. And he doesn't look like he will be anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But. You know, uh, another person in the coma at the hospital is Nadine, who we didn't see at all this episode, or Ed. Nor, nor did we see Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is, Jacoby's still in the hospital. Yes, apparently. that's true. Yeah. yeah, I think he's awake now. Though. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll we'll see where that one goes. But um, yeah, there's a whole interrogation with Emery, and then um, yeah, lovely little scene there. <laughs> yeah, weird, very really weird. weird. Yeah, uh, frosty. Yeah. Frosty, yeah. <laughs> they had the, the vacuum going, just like some his weird fetishes. Yeah. Um, yeah, weird stuff. Yeah, I I, I, only, I felt like that was, like, with his arms tied up, I felt like that was some kind of, like, chiropractic thing. Like You it, think so? It, I thought, yeah, I thought it was, like... I thought it was some weird sex thing. Oh, I don't know. Because I mean, well, no, she was just vacuuming. No, yeah, because, no, and he looked like he was sleeping. Like he no, because he was like, why'd you turn the vacuum off? I feel like he definitely had the vacuum going just for, like, some weird thing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Because then, like, the ice, where she's probably going to, like, pour yeah, the ice on him. Yeah, but he had, like, he had, like, the cotton balls between his toenails and stuff, or in his toes, like, and stuff like that. Maybe. Like, I felt like maybe he was just, you know, he was just relaxing. I thought. <laughs> he was just relaxing. I think so. I think it was, like, <laughs> The old time you up upside down. It's good for his back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Emery. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a sex thing. Maybe it was a chiropractic thing. Hit us up on social media. Tell us what you think it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, there's that, that interrogation. Uh, more good information there. But mm-hmm. uh, very, 
long, drawn-out scene with Shelly and Bobby in a car. In Bobby's dad's car, as he says. Yes, because there's more space or something. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because we, we have, like, the Twin Peaks music, which mm-hmm. is now playing on the radio. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she, like, changes the station to rock and roll. Um, yeah, and we learn of this plan that if they... Um, if she keeps Leo in the house, they'll get disability checks, and it'll be a lot of money. And Leo's going to be basically brain dead, so they don't have to take care of him at all, and they won't—he won't bother them, but they'll get money. Right. Yeah. But so they're... Shelley doesn't want to do that. Right. Understandably so. I mean, e- even if he's just going to be brain dead, I mean, just having him in the house is probably pretty traumatic. Yeah. No, I agree. And they're apparently going to pull in um, five thousand dollars a month. Yeah. I mean that's 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 nice. Yeah, definitely. Which is. Um... That's sixty thousand a year, which um, I'm in inflating it right now. That's yeah, that's hundred thirteen thousand a year. Nice. So on and top, that's on the side, right? On top of she's working at the diner. Yeah. Um, so so it sounds like at the end she agrees. Okay, that that's going to be the plan. Right. Begrudgingly so, but yeah. Right, and and as all uh, you know, as all Shelley and Bobby scenes do, uh, this scene just devolves into them having sex in the car. Yeah, eating so. each other up. <laughs> exactly, as she says. But, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, they think that Leo is harmless. Right. And physically, he is. But if he's conscious, like we saw in the hospital, he can still, you know, he can call some people and get them killed, maybe. I don't yeah. know. And he knows of the affair and everything. Yeah, yeah right. Still pretty still pretty intimidating, even, even in a coma. Absolutely. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I guess they've just built up his character to be so intimidating over the last season that, you know, even a coma can't stop him. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. So um, we now get to see uh, a kind of weird kind of weird scene, but um, Major Briggs finally del- delivers the message. I don't know how he got to the Great Northern if Bobby and Shelley were in his car. Oh, yeah. But I, I guess maybe he Ubered. Um, so yeah, he's, he's the great Northern and he, and he finally delivers the message. To yeah. Cooper. We learned a little bit about his job, mm-hmm. which I had just assumed, I don't know, just high level military officer person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what military, you know, like areas there are near Twin Peaks or whatever, what he's yeah. directing, but it appears that his job has a bit of a, you know, supernatural side to it that he, he's, you know, one of his tasks is. Receiving space junk and space like garbage, just you right, know yeah. just the, the standard messages that you receive from space and but there was an anomaly and they received one mm-hmm. with Cooper's name in it and what the giant said the owls are not what they see right. and was that the first thing he said that was that was the second the first one was the man in the smiling face. okay that's interesting which came through it's it's not his full message it's just the one um, yeah right so I mean a lot of emphasis upon that one then mm-hmm. but you know as soon as. As soon as Major Briggs said we got this around like Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, and Cooper says, "Oh, it's around the time that I was shot." Well, it's not just the time that he was shot; it was obviously the time that the giant visited him. Mm-hmm. So maybe that occurrence had something to do with, um, you know, maybe, maybe him like saying that message got translated into the space space garbage. Once again, um, aliens. Another, right. <laughs> I mean, the guy looks weird. Like maybe he's like a—he's played an alien on a lot yeah. of other shows. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know where this is going. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, but the, apparently the the space garbage says Cooper's name, um, and that's pretty significant. It is pretty significant. Yeah. So um, that's pretty interesting. But now we get to 
Oh, a ridiculous scene. Oh, ridiculous scene. man, this scene. It, this seems a roller coaster. So, I, like, this is all tongue in cheek. I'm assuming. Like, is he? I have did no he idea. Make this. Like, can you check the book? Is there yes. something in the okay, book? Okay. So, so this is. So at the end of, um, like, at the end of each like kind of chapter in the book here, um, there's uh, there are a bunch of interviews from uh, cast members. And the one, normally it's like, you know, three, four sentences. And James Marshall's is like two full paragraphs. He takes off like half the page here. Um, basically, I'm, I'm not going to like read the whole thing, but um, essentially he was just kind of like, James Marshall, which is the actor who plays James Hurley, he was playing guitar on set one day. And David Lynch was like, hey, do you want to like play guitar in an episode? Like pretty much. Um and they talked about it, and apparently they they kind of composed a song um, that was apparently apparently turned into "Just You and I." And J- James would write that song. Yeah. And so, oh my gosh! And so they tried to, so they they they, they set up a date at a recording studio, um, and and James came in, uh, and they had already had the guitar track recorded, so it wasn't actually him playing guitar, and. The key that it was in was way too high for him. He was like, I can't sing it in this key. This is, this is too high. And David Lynch was like, well, already recorded it, so I guess you're just going to have to do it. So that's where the ridiculous uh, falsetto So that's actually in. his voice? That's actually his voice, apparently. It's so high. <laughs> yeah. And for, for uh, you know, the character of James, who was always speaking in a very deep, low voice, yes. it's so weird. I know. Oh my gosh! And the way it's set up with like the girls on the ground crowded around the microphone, <laughs> and he's like half on the chair and half not. Everybody's so serious, and I feel so bad for the girls because at the beginning of the scene, I don't know if you noticed what his line was. He says like, "That was really good. Let's try it again." How many times have How they many done times this? They did it. It's a long song. It's slow. It is. They're just saying like three lines, and he's not on. Is this, he's not on key. Is this just like James's side? <laughs> project this is his, I guess this so. is his, like side hustle this is how he makes money yeah i know we're trying to solve our friend's murder but let's take a break and just record this song it's not even it's not even like about laura it's just like just some love thing between him and donna or our maddie right yeah it's about just you and i except he's in love with it gets it gets even cringier because as they're as the song is going on yes. painfully so Donna and James, or Madeline and James, lock eyes. They're all exchanging looks in in some triangle. <laughs> and Donna's just, what's going on here? She notices, <laughs> and she and she gets mad and runs away and starts crying. Storms away, right? Which is, it takes it from like ridiculous to like, oh, that's like a little bit sad. Like I feel kind of sad for her, but still ridiculous. <laughs> still ridiculous at the same time. And then we get a call from Harold. Harold yeah. Smith, and we don't see, we don't hear what he says, mm-hmm. but they have arranged the meeting. They want to meet, meet up. Right. Um, but while this is happening, it's not just you and I; it's Bob too. It's just you and I <laughs> it's and Bob. Yeah, just you and I, Bob. And this is scary. Holy really moly! Scary, yeah. Um, the camera is just staying put, kind of from uh, Madeline's perspective, and we see Bob round the cor- <laughs> round the corner, yeah. uh, on the back wall. And he just starts to walk closer and closer. 
Um, and he's just got this terrifying grin on his face. Yep. Uh, and, he, and he's just climbing over the sofa and the couch and he gets closer and it's just, he's all like sweaty looking. Yeah, he's he was very sweaty. And it's, it's similar it's, to the vision that Mrs. P- Mrs. Palmer had where mm-hmm. she could see it, but no one else could. Right. right? Cause, so now another person seeing it. Yeah. Although... Well, if you watch the Japanese laser disc version, then I guess <laughs> she had already seen. I it. guess she had already seen Bob on the on the carpet. But yeah, yeah the yeah, Japanese really... are ahead of us on this one. They know what's up here, <laughs> <That's> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they they, it's really, really creepy. Um, but he, yeah, they they had some difficulty filming the scene because so Frank Silva is the actor who played Bob, and he apparently just like he didn't really know what to do. Um, but he just he was supposed to like kind of leap over the couch and. Um, but they kept asking for it to be slower, uh, slower and slower. And so he just sort of crawled and, and he didn't know when to stop. And, but having him go directly into the camera, Mm. um, was so, so scary. Yeah. But it's true for any film, whether it's for Mm -hmm. like, like just a purely just like emotional, sad, emotional effect. Um, when someone looks directly into the camera. It's unnerving. You yeah. feel like you feel like like some piece of like your heart just goes ooh. You're like, yeah. oh, he's looking at me, <laughs> and it's weird. And it happens, you know, later on in the episode in Cooper's dream. That's wait, right. wait, did that wait. happen? That happens at the end, right? Which, or is that after Major Briggs? No, I don't know. What is it? The dream. Oh yes, yeah. Like yeah, where, yeah. where Bob is walking toward him, and then we just see Miss Palmer running down the stairs. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's is that after this? Yeah. So yeah. now there's this there's this creepy. Um, there's still the shot of the fan in the Palmer house that we've seen before. You're right. And Mrs. Palmer running down the stairs, mm-hmm. and this time it's way slowed down. You're right. The two images we have seen before, but you're right, mm-hmm. way slowed down. I like how they do this dream thing because whenever Cooper is having a dream, they they shoot him like just laying in bed. You see, mm-hmm. he's kind of rolling around with his arm over his head like this. But the camera's like always in the same position, mm-hmm. so whenever we see that, it's like all right, okay, well, dream time. We're, we're in dream time. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's eerie like always, and we see, um, we it's a flashback. Major Briggs is talking. Uh, to Cooper, but with like this weird like filter on it, this mm-hmm. white filter, and then we hear the giant talking to Cooper. And don't we see the giant's hand over Cooper's face yeah. as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, is the giant inducing this dream? Yeah, that's a good right. Has the giant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good been, Yeah, has the giant been causing these dreams mm-hmm. the whole time for you know kind of to to lead Cooper on the right path to solving this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but. Um... We do see Bob, the shot of Bob behind the bed. I, I think this is what you're talking about. He's turning, he, he his face turns into an owl. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, but the owls are not what they seem. So maybe there's some sort of connection with with Bob to the owls, and uh, it, it's something that the giant knows about. For sure. Um, the giant, who seems to be a mostly benevolent uh, spirit, I guess, to, to Cooper, and he, he wants to help out, but... Um. Yeah, we're still. I mean, there's still so many questions to be answered. Yeah. Um. And as always, I'm so excited to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, um. Yeah. I. The only other scene in this is uh, Audrey calls Cooper. Oh. Yep. And um, you know, the the letter is still under his bed. He still has not opened it. That's right. So, but I like how much importance does that letter have? Like, what is in the letter that she wrote that is so important that well, we don't? Well, that, she said, like, why Cooper are you not doesn't... here? Like, why haven't you come for me? Like, okay. So maybe she said in the letter that 
she was I'm had one-eyed jacks, right? Because that was before yeah. she won. She's going to say, I'm going to do this thing. I need... Right. Maybe she said, like, come get me in two days, something like that. Yeah, pick me up. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, um, but, yeah, it's funny because she's like, you know, I need your help. And then she says, I saw you in the tuxedo. You look like a movie star. It's mm-hmm. like, enough of the schoolgirl games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, she says she's in trouble, and uh, Blackie hangs up the phone and says, you're, you're not in trouble. You don't know what trouble is or something like that. And Emery Battis. And Emery Battis is there, too. Yeah. yeah. So she may not be escaping quite too soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the end of the episode. Yep. Um, a shorter podcast than the last one, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like this is a good this is a good length of podcast, though, For sure. 40 minutes, yeah. That's good. Yeah, about, about 40 minutes-ish. Um, do you have anything else about, about the episode, about the... I know at the end the of every episode we yeah, do the, the killer we, thing. Again, we forgot it last episode. Yeah, I mean, I kind of said you Bob. Kinda, yeah. And I'm going to say Bob again now, okay. which, I mean, all signs point to Bob mm-hmm. unless, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something. There was a fourth man or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm going Bob on this one. All right. Well, Putting Leland on the back burner for a couple episodes. Okay. I got my eye on Leland. <laughs> Well, we will see how those predictions turn out and how all the other predictions turn out Absolutely. Uh, in the future episodes. So, um, I mean, again, we're recording this the exact same day as the last episode that you listened to, so uh, we still don't have any more Twisted Mug news. Um, hopefully by now Shazam has already come out. <laughs> but it'll be like four weeks after. Yeah, yeah. We're, about, we're about three, four weeks out right now. So. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, um, but... As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been fun. Always good to delve into some Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, like we said, we had a long hiatus where we didn't, and I didn't watch it at all, and it was killing me. So this yeah. is great. I'm glad that we're back. So we'll keep cruising through. We'll keep Julie cruising through. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, I guess we'll see you next time for the next episode. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.